takes to the ether here from the salubrious confines of Hollywood's most overachieving cinematic experience, the Egyptian Theater, located right here at the Cinematheque uh, at Sid Grauman and all that jazz. Hooray! That's where you applaud. Good for you. It's a really film crowd tonight. I was having a discussion. Tonight we're showing the thriller from 1975 by Sidney Pollack, um, uh, starring Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, and Max von Sydow, called Three Days of the Condor. And... Uh, yeah, it's super good. Jennifer picked it out. Uh, it's perfect springtime fair in so many ways, of course. Uh, as you know, the real world doesn't exist while we're in here together, but you may want to reflect upon certain reflections that this movie reflects. And, um, uh, yeah, and like that. Uh, we were having a discussion in the men's room before the show. Um, uh, not that I meet in the men's room a lot, but if you want to meet me, it's the last stall on the left. And... Uh, it's a very Studio 54 situation here at the Egyptian. I'm in there a lot of the time. Uh, me and Mickey Rourke, which just, you know, you'll find us. I bring my chihuahua, and um, they, they commune and whatnot. And we were discussing the fact that this uh, movie, The Three Days of the Condor, was based on a book called The Six Days of the Condor. And um, there's no reason for this. Um, no one understands what happened in the, in the subsequent three days that have been uh, omitted from this movie. Um, I, I think it's been a tightening, uh, quite frankly, and, uh, and, and goes with the Aristotelian unities of time and place that keeps this down to a smaller. This is also a Christmas picture, in case anyone's thinking, uh, what should I show at home during Christmas? Um, Jennifer and I traditionally used to watch Drugstore Cow Boy, but I think this one really, really comes in second uh, as a great Christmas picture. Of course, Die Hard, but then Die Hard's really good at any time, like a caramel. Um, they're not just for breakfast anymore. I think you know what I mean. Uh, uh, I, I'm certain you know what I mean. Um, part of what I love about this theater is uh, a lot of people have chosen to sit as high up as humanly possible because um, evidently it's 1973 again, and uh, we're all going to revisit that. I'm, I'm expecting someone to shoot red hots at the screen at some point. Thank you for remembering that. Um, now I know where I am. Uh, Michelle, give us this lovely bottle, and I, I just want to turn it on here if I can. There we are. Um, yeah, it ha uh, it's a vodka bottle. Um, if I could describe it to the people who are listening on the podcast in rapt attention at their home in breathless wonder, um, or while they're riding their bicycle, or while they're um, feeding their cat, or doing their dishes. Um, I've been given a vodka bottle, but it has um, LED letters that run across it, and I, I can't tell for the life of me what they are. Um, Hurry, hooray. Oh, it says hooray, hurrah, which is something I say. So I should be really chuffed about that. Thank you, Michelle. Um, it's absolutely lovely. And um, there's nothing like a vodka bottle that talks to you because it reminds you of how tenuous our grasp on reality is, which brings me to tonight's movie. I don't know uh, Robert Redford personally, um, but I love him more than I love members of my family. His hair is a majestic tribute to everything that's ever been right about show business. And I place him quite high in the pantheon. One, because I was a, a child and then later a, a tween and then later a preteen and then a teen during the meat and heart of the breadth and scope of the majesty that is his awesome career from the late 60s to the mid-70s. And this picture is one of the groovy, groovy chicken ones, as is Faye Dunaway's career, which uh, co coincidentally uh, also coincides uh, with Robert Redford's career. Max Vincito's career, of course, is prolific, and he made over 55 pictures with Ingmar Bergman. And then, I'll wait. 
he made a lot of movies with Ingmar Bergman, and then later not. Um, it, it, he um, had this to say, uh, which I shall read for you. Um, Only very rarely are foreigners or first-generation immigrants allowed to be nice people in American films. Those with an accent are bad guys. Um, he was Ming the Merciless in Flash Gordon, which I think a lot of you will remember as one of the great sci-fi movies of the turning of the 70s into the 80s. And um, uh, he's also in tonight's picture. And several years ago, Jennifer and I were at the um, TCM Film Festival, located right across the street here in the um, intensive film district. And they showed Three Days of the Condor, and Max um, was interviewed before the movie. But the best part was... Um, Max von Sydow was with his French wife, who he's been with for ages, and um, he, she was guiding him up to the screen, and at one point they stopped, and he went, and then he walked the rest of the way by himself to do the interview, and then he watched the, the movie Three Days of the Condor, and Jennifer and I watched him watching the movie Three Days of the Condor, and that, that's fucking show business, if in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he was also at a TCM party and he was brought in by his, uh, his children who were grown and uh, we were thrown out of a table so that Tippy Hedren could sit there and I've never ever been happier to be ejected than to let Tippy Hedren sit where I was going to sit who proceeded to get up and dance in a gold lame top as I recall and um, Max Vincito was ushered in with his family and Lulu got up I know this you guys are like what year was this? 1967 I was six years old. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I had a Zwayback and um, a Bosco. And we were watching Lloyd Thaxton on TV that afternoon. Thank you. I lived in Lancaster then. Lancaster. By the way, Lancaster in 1966 wasn't just a meth-filled uh, ride into uh, the hellacious uh, Second Amendment part of America. It was fantastically uh, swarming with tumbleweeds. So many that we had a bonfire in our backyard that raised dozens of feet into the sky. My father, completely unsupervised, um, decided to do this. And it was, a, yeah, it was, uh, it was an exciting event. My sister and I stood there watching, like drinking soda pop, while a 40-foot flame shot into the air as an enormous stack of tumbleweeds was set alight by my father smoking a Salem. And in those years, there was test pilots at Edwards Air Force Base. And they were perpetually breaking the sound barrier. And um, so a Mach 1 was achieved, which in my understanding, I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson, so I'm not going to spoil the end of what's happening on Earth. Because that seems to be his goal in life. Like, he'll be like, global warming, yeah, this ends with a cinder. And you're like, okay, cool it. I got to live in shit. I got, I've got Thursday to get through. Um... Because Neil deGrasse Tyson will take anything in harsh shit. Like, he'll go, the movie Frozen? Couldn't happen. And you're like, really? Um, the cold is going to bother you anyway. Right? And you're like, no. Um, so, <laughs> there we were. And um, it all happened. And this was at the TCM Film Festival, which... For whatever uh, the TCM Film Festival is, is able to, in its abundance, bring in um, stars of stage and screen from uh, decades past. And it's really a time to celebrate them, and we've seen so many great stars there. But Max Vincita was at this party where Tippi Hedren got our table, and Jennifer was looking back at him, and Lulu came on and sang To Sir With Love. 
And I love Lulu beyond all measure. There's no question of that. I love the movie To Sir With Love. Um, we had um, lunch once in Barbados with um, Michael Golly. I can't remember his name. I should have studied. And uh, he plays the punk in the movie To Sir With Love. And I did a couple of his lines back to him at the table. And uh, he was pretty chuffed. And then bidden of nothing because we were fairly, he was quite drunk at this point, uh, cracked off an entire Shakespeare monologue. And we were like, this is the best lunch I've ever been to. Um, Thank you, one person. I'll take it. I really will. You know, I'm not fussy anymore. I love group laughter, but I'll take individual laughter, and I'll take any kind of approbation. Yeah, I know. We're all film people, and that's what's important. That and the fact that... Two things are important. So, Lulu came on. And um, she, there was a keyboard player, and they played it. Dum, bum, 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 bum. Those schoolgirl days, right? And Max Fentino went. I can't do his accent. Only Dave Thomas can do his accent. My Max Fentino sounds. My Max Fentino is like this, but I don't think that that's Gregory Pack. What if Max Fentino was in um, To Kill a Mockingbird? Scout. It's important to remember that people are people. But that's not what he sounds like, but I can't do him. The look of revulsion on his face was a discomfiture of pizza that you've never seen in your life before. His face was, uh, was twisted into what can only be described as pure hatred. And, and I don't think he was angry at her, particularly. I think he thought, why did I come here? I could be in the hotel room, yeah. I could be in the hotel room. So, Leonard Malton interviewed him. And Leonard Malton, as you know, is a genius. And um, he interviewed Max von Sydow. And he said, well, what was it like to play Jesus? And Max von Sydow goes, and by the way, this is Gregory Peck doing Max von Sydow. <laughs> After I played the role of Jesus, all they wanted to cast me as was the Pope. Because casting directors in Hollywood have no imagination. Then awesomely, he said, uh, not in that interview, but in another interview, that after he played Jesus, the problem for him was, while they were shooting it, everyone on the set started to look up to him. And that he couldn't, and this is my favorite part of Max von Sydow, smoke or drink in public. Because the people would come up to him and be like, my lord. And he'd be like, oh, shit. Shison. Or whatever they, whatever they say. He said it took him six months to get over playing Jesus. And then, of course, um, the other quote is, in The Exorcist, he plays The Exorcist. It's pretty clear. He said for an entire lifetime, people have been coming up to him and going, God, you scared me in that movie. And he's like, I, I was the one who tried to cure her. <laughs> How did you remember that movie? But I think we all remember The Exorcist the same way. Like a terrible, terrible day with a relative. If there's a key to that movie, and there's no key to that movie, it's that it's as bad as a brush with a terrible person in your family. But tonight's movie, on the other hand, is an incandescent, um, broody, smooth jazz, fizzy confection 
This is a movie that you drink on the deck of a ship heading to exactly where you want to go in the middle of the night. This is a picture that satisfies on every level. It should have been made by Sidney Lumet or Alan Pakula, but it wasn't. Sidney Pollack achieved two mescents. The two greatest things that Sidney Pollack did in his career, other than, you know, achieve success in Hollywood, if that's a thing, is be best friends with Robert Redford and fall up on this script by Lorenzo Simple, based on a book called Six Days of the Condor. There's, uno, there's mucho más days of the condor available to us. There's sur profligate, surfeit days of the condor. There's many days of the condor. There's uh, half a dozen days of the condor. Six of one days of the condor. But no, for our purposes, three. That's so that you can meet Faye Dunaway when your hair is pitch perfect. There's several things that are important about this movie. Robert Redford wears a pea coat. It's an exploration of the duplicity of the American government and the fact that the, all of the intelligence branches are not to be trusted, i.e. people who write best-selling books that are available at airports. And Faye Dunaway wears a wool knitted cap. A lot of times you're going to go like, I'm watching a movie and, you know, someone named Reese or someone named Ryan's in it. And you go, I'm not achieving full awesomeitude. And then you'll watch this movie and go, there's a peacoat in a walling cap. <laughs> and a plaid raincoat. I'm going to let that lay there for a while. <laughs> because I don't really think you're taking on the full magnitude of what's happening here. I don't know if it's by design. Of course it is. They're all meticulous. But the accident is um, that this succeeds on a bunch of different levels. Robert Redford was um, driving 75 miles an hour down Kings Road near the Gelsons on Santa Monica Boulevard when he almost struck my wife in her car. At that point, she pulled up, and he pulled up because he almost hit her. And Robert Redford opened the window and went like this. And that was enough. To the best of my understanding, Jennifer has forgiven him for almost killing her because he went. Welcome to the major leagues, Mr. Hobbs. Jeremiah Johnson. Went out there to the... I don't want to jump. Hell, the fall will probably kill you. I'm not going. Robert Redford in a fit is the greatest. Butch Cassidy's my favorite movie of all time. I'm not knocking this movie at all, but I really do love Butch Cassidy. Again, written by William Goldman. But the, what makes Butch Cassidy so great is that Robert Redford's angry through the entire movie. He's frustrated and he doesn't understand what's going on. And then later they're insulted in the movie and he's like. And that's what makes him awesome. Robert Redford said two things that are beyond measure. As you know, he's from here. He went to Van Nuys. He graduated in the same class as Don Drysdale, the all-star pitcher for the Dodgers. 
I love this crowd best of any crowd I've had so far this year. You know who Don Drysdale is, and you laughed at a fucking Ingmar Bergman reference. There's a lot of Philistines in this town, film fans. You're not amongst them. Robert Redford said, some people have analysis. I have Utah. Hollywood was not a place I dreamed of getting to. I never could take seriously the obsession people have about being a celebrity or getting to Hollywood. I was born next door. Yeah. When I was little, um, back in the 30s, there was an uh, autocratic tyrant that was rising. No. What I'm going to get at is this. Um, after Butch, my dad bought me a record of Robert Redford narrating how the wolves were endangered. Yeah, I think someone even knows this fucking record what I'm talking about. And Robert Redford would be like, this is the story of the wolves. <laughs> Running through the night. And you're like, oh fuck, this is the best record ever. It had a picture of a wolf on the cover and it said narrated by Robert Redford. And I was like, yeah. The 70s are awesome for three reasons. Coho Tech. Thank you, no one knows what that was. It was a comment that failed. I don't know if a comment can fail, but it failed in our eyes. What? Cahotech. Comet Cahotech. It was supposed to be as bright as Halley's Comet. Yeah, I said Halley's. That's how fucking pretentious I am. I said I wasn't Neil deGrasse Tyson, and then I just went into the uremic disorders of the astronomers. Sir Edmund Halley was uncomfortable on a night. He got up to look at the... Oh, by Jove, look at that. Quite a celestial disturbance, I must say. I hope this comes back every 76 years. Why, when it's perihelion is closest to Earth, you can see the tail for days, even in the daytime. By God. Why was Edmund Halley played by Terry Thomas? A lot of you are asking. My God, this Cahotech's an absolute disaster. A disaster, I say. I say, this comet's quite a disappointment. Skylab. Skylab was a space station that orbited the Earth, and one day it fell on Australia. It was great. It showed two things, that NASA really, and two, um, yeah, reach for the stars, but keep your eyes on the outback, because that's where the fucking space station landed and shit. And then Cahotec was supposed to be bright, so bright, like the, like the, the Crab Nebula during the uh, 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 1054. When in the bio tapestry, when the, the Halley's Comet goes over, when, there, when William the Conqueror, who was William the Bastard to his troops, invaded uh, England and, and, and beat Alfred the Great, and, and Alfred got an arrow through his eye, like in this movie. But no, it was a bummer. And the other three best things about the 70s are Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, and Max von Sydow. There's a lot of other great 70s stars. There's Glenda Jackson, there's a million. But I'm, we're sticking with this tonight because that's the theme. Faye Dunaway, and we're almost done. Faye Dunaway, 
Um, when I was in high school, we would let each other off after an evening of drinking and carousing in um, San Carlos, California, the whitest place on earth, home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. <laughs> we were so white, our Catholic school was named St. Charles. Thank you, that joke takes a while to figure out. The name of the town is San Carlos, you guys. That means St. Charles. But white people were like, kind of Mexican. Maybe we should have St. Charles make people feel a little more comfortable. When we would drop people off, particularly my gay friends, we would, it, people would be trying to sneak back into their house because their parents were there and they were drunk and high and they would be sneaking in and we would hit the horn of our car, whatever car we were in, and go, ha, Chinatown. Ha, ha. My sister, my daughter, my sister, my daughter, my sister, and my And wake up everyone in the fucking neighborhood. We didn't have phones. We had fun. I think that's it. Sidney Pollock um, was enormously successful. There's no denying his success. He produced movies. He directed movies. He's not a terrible actor. Yeah, there's a bottle inside the globe. He's not. We all saw Eyes Wide Shut, and that's the problem with this crowd. We all saw it, and we all went, oh. I really didn't want to go to a party where a bunch of 75-year-old guys were acting like Rudy Giuliani at a prom. And... Then, you realize Sidney Pollack's quite a good... Husbands and Wives, um, I don't know who directed it. I don't think they exist anymore. He's quite good in that. Believe it or not, he's from the Midwest. I know. Sidney Lumet's so New York, you can, like, order a bagel off of him. Sidney Pollack said this, and then we're going to start this picture. And if you're watching it on YouTube, I'm hoping there's a free way for you to watch it um, as the podcast progresses. We'll be back at the end for a short discussion. And by short, I mean I'm going to say goodnight. Um, Sidney Pollack said this, I'm from Indiana. If I get it, everyone gets it. I give you now his uh, thriller from 1975, Three Days of the Condor.